Abed and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're all doing well. Had a game a few nights ago. Monday game, as usual. I always try and take something away from it that I can possibly relate to you people just because, hey, I'm trying to help (laughs) make your game better and things like that. It was an interesting, it was an interesting session and I found out a couple of things about me and about the campaign, about me doing the campaign. First off, never, this is what I found out, never underestimate your talk. Never if you if you got the right campaign, whether it's store bought or you come up with it yourself or something like that, never underestimate the relationship between you and the players. And I found out I'm I can be a pretty good BS artist if I want to. In other words, I, I'm not. I wasn't trying to do this, but I, I I always worry about when I when I run stuff I've written myself. I never quite think it fits together the way perfectly. And that may be my own criticism, my own writing or whatever, but I always feel that I'm going to miss a beat somewhere or miss a connection or something like that. Well, I found out I got to let go of that. I got to plan as best I can. And when I bring to the table something, I bring it to the table and they embellish it. They they embellish what I have created, and then it becomes our creation, all of ours, because they have characters and they interact with the world. I'm not telling you anything new. It's just that, like last night, I learned. See, I, I planned a two a two session scenario, which I believe is going to stretch to four, if I do it right, because. My group is naturally garrulous, and so am I. In other words, we like to talk. And talking in character and out of character and jokes. And I found out I can stretch the game that way. And the players don't mind because they're having a good time. They're talking, they're joking, they're, we're, we're doing encounters, we're doing battles, and, you know, the usual stuff. But they're also, like, they, they're not in a hurry to... What I'm saying is they're not in a hurry to get there to the end. I seem to always be in a hurry to get to the end. This is one of my this is one of my my downsides as a game master, is the fact that because I do this with movies and everything, I want to get to the good stuff. I do this with with acting. I sometimes and I had to really learn to pace. I got to learn to pace myself. You got to learn to pace yourself because if you're like me, you want to get to the good parts right away. Well, the good parts will come. Just build it normally. And don't worry about don't worry about getting to the good stuff already. If I'd have done that, that session would have been over in like two and a half hours last night. But I didn't worry about it. I you, it's it's called pacing for a reason. You've got to you not only have to do the story, the pace of the story, but you got to pace yourself. And this is one of the ways I do it. I just let it naturally, you know, I set up the situations, I just, and turn them loose and see what they do and what they, and they usually, you know, I give them enough stuff to go on where I'm not, 
I know I'm not railroading them, but they seem more than happy to go along with the, the little hooks and, and clues I give them. So I really don't feel like I'm I'm forcing them down a path or anything. Because, you know, they could always go anywhere and I would just have to follow along. It's it's basically characters going their own way and me with a notepad and a pencil following behind them. Okay, what are they coming next? Or getting in front of them and say, okay, let's just lay it down. You know, that that's the whole the whole thing. But but they seem to be pretty good about just following the story. If I give them a story, they'll follow it. I don't even have to do anything, which I absolutely love. But that's beside the point. <laughs> See, this is why I say my current group, my players, spoil me. Because I know, even when I do playtests of convention games, I know that in the back of my mind, I'm not going to get that at a convention table. If I'm if I'm lucky, I will. But I'm, you know what I'm saying. But I make it's the the closest thing I can think of is I make I I kind of make them want to follow the story just the way I do it. I'm not putting a gun to anybody's head to do anything, but we interact, the NPCs interact, and I dispense information as it's needed on a need-to-know basis, and it just it just works out that way. So that's one way I learned to, to like like stretch a story or something like that. Another thing, if you're going to do a campaign world or a campaign, whether, like I said, you bought it or you're doing it yourself, you got to turn, that's the point where you got to turn it, when it starts, it starts rolling, when you start getting into it and you have new characters and stuff, you got to start playing Taylor and start nipping and tucking the stories or the to fit the player's personality and what i mean is i'm not saying that the world is in a vacuum until the players interact with it it's an active world but you got to start thinking about adventures that would play off play off what you have at the table and after about three sessions my 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 i have a three session theory after about three sessions, I pretty much know what the players are all about. So I can start tailoring things, nipping and tucking and tailoring things and altering things for their characters. I am remiss in doing this. I'll tell you right now, I am remiss in doing this because I just, uh, I get so involved with trying just to put the story together and put the this and the that, that only recently have I started to go, hmm, okay, we have these characters how about if I pick one and work on them? So I started to pick one, which was my grandson. I know it sounds like favoritism stuff, but he's like, they love him. My group loves my grandson, and they never feel like I'm playing favorites with him because he's basic, he's turned into the comic relief, and they love baiting him and such, and he loves doing it. But he also, underneath that, he also has a character, a paladin of Apollo. And the way Gage plays it, he doesn't really play it. Many times we, we've, we've got a saying in the, in the game called Oathbreaker. So every time he does something that you don't think about, you go, go Oathbreaker. It's, it's like, well, you're not, the paladins don't do that. And see, I think it's because Gage is, 
He said, "Why did he told me before? Why did he ever pay a paladin? That I love all the power, but that lawful good is really, you know." And I said, "Well, you shouldn't have played a paladin then. You know, it's all, it's all. It comes with the badge. That's what it basically is. It comes with the badge, as as Cap would say. You power, great responsibility, and because he's talked about torturing other people and everybody's." And, and my friend, our friend Gareth came back for a few sessions, and him and Gage, because I see, I give him a ride when I take Gage and I, I give him a ride, and Gage and him really get along. And Gareth is just like, "Where are you getting the idea? This is okay, the way you're playing this paladin, and you know, just giving him grief." And I think, like I said, Gage is kind of torn between the he loves beating up monsters and the power and the. You know the the he's got the full plate and all the other stuff, but at the same time, he 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 either forgets that or he takes it to the end. He'll take his paladinship and whatever background to the nth degree. In other words, he's a high. This is astonishing, sir. So he's a hyperborean paladin of Apollo. And he's stated straight out, he looks down on on everybody except Atlanteans and Hyperboreans. And somebody had to point out, he says, you know, Hyperboreans are a dying race. You know that, right? But he looks down on everybody. He tries to justify it, which is hilarious. But anyway, I want to give him a little something to, to work on character-wise. It may be I mean, I've heard talk around the table of like, you know, Apollo isn't going to like what you're doing. He's probably going to do something to you or something like that. And it's like, guys, don't give me ideas. But I've got, I've introduced in the campaign now another paladin. Another paladin of Luna, uh, Lunaqua, who is uh, the god, god or goddess, I don't remember, of the moon. And he's taking him to the, taking this girl to the temple, and they're going to stay the night. And they're kind of getting along okay. They're both see. Here's the the Palanquin. He is also Hyperborean, so Gage gives him a certain amount of respect. His his idea of respect is funny because it's kind of a varying scale. Okay, I I really respect you. He said he he's my equal. I don't look up to him, but I don't look down on him either. Because he's hyperborean, but he's not following Apollo, and we're all going, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so I've got this other paladin in there as sort of an example, but he may find out a few things in the game that he wasn't prepared for, and it's going to be some character development here. I I started with him now. They're level eight right now, and Astonishing Swordsman caps at 12. So I've got four levels to, like, maybe devote my time to another character, another player, things like that. But I'm starting with him because, he one, he's the easiest. And, and two, it just he has interesting ideas about being a paladin that maybe I should start to correct. And maybe we can see some character development. Who knows? He's a bright boy. He's 15, but he's bright, and he knows how to role play. He knows how to play the rules, and so we'll see what happens. So 
like I said, when you start your world, start your world, and then after a few sessions, start to look at everybody around the table. Okay, this guy does this. This guy does that. Maybe we can throw throw a bone over here. Maybe this guy follows a... He's part of a mage's guild, and maybe we can do something with that. This is a thief over here that has been ostracized from this land, and maybe we can do... Maybe somebody's hunting him. So, you know, you just start adding plot elements, and pretty soon you can actually start having whole adventures based on one character. So, and it, it won't feel... I mean, everybody's going to get a chance to shine, but he will be the main focus. So, yeah, tailor your... try Start tailoring your adventures after a while to the players. That gets... That gets them feeling more more character development. That makes them feel better, and they're interacting with your world better. They they get more immersion in your world. So you guys go ahead and take that for what it is. I hear rain out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're getting spring thunderstorms. Oh boy. So I'm gonna go start my day. So on. Uh, if you want to talk to me about this, you say anything you want. You can, you can oldmangrognar at gmail.com or you can leave me a voicemail on Anchor. And as little as 99 cents a month, you can support this program and I would thank you. And once again, thank you for my supporters, Jonathan, Oliver, Mark, and Gilbert. You guys are great. So until I see you next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Mm-hmm.